You're listening to the River City Church Podcast. Our desire is that you know Jesus, experience freedom, find community, and discover purpose. For more information, check us out on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co. Here's the message. The message title is Fact Check. Uh, We're in John chapter 8. And we are going to dive into this. Our mission as a church, as I've said before, is to see every person know Jesus, experience freedom, find community, and discover purpose. Today, I want to focus on the freedom side of this, uh, especially because as we begin to walk with Jesus, as we begin to experience the new life that Jesus comes to bring, uh, he's after us, us getting everything that he paid for. Are you with me? God wants you to have everything that Jesus paid for on the cross. He paid the price for that. That's why, that's why when it comes to, that's why we're passionate about reading, reaching people for Jesus because we're passionate about, I, I'll, I'll just say this, you know, last week uh, we shared it with our teams, but, you know, you know, a lot of, just in ministry and in, in the pastor world, uh, Easter sometimes becomes like the Super Bowl Sunday of the year for a lot of, uh, of us as churches because a lot of people come, but I'll tell you what, we, we, we go after it every Sunday because every Sunday, every time we gather could be somebody's first First time hearing about Jesus. It also could be somebody's last time hearing about Jesus. And so we never want to miss an opportunity to share the good news of Jesus, to, to, to give our best, and to, to bring, bring people to a real encounter with God, to experience freedom. So uh, I'm going to start in John chapter 8. We're actually going to begin in verse 2. Um, I'm messing my media team up today. Sorry, uh, Cassie. <laughs> we'll start in verse 2. Um, Now, early in the morning, Jesus came again to the temple. This is in Jerusalem, God's house. Uh, He's in the temple, and he's, all the people came to him, and they sat down, and he taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees, the religious elite, brought to him a woman who had been caught in adultery. And when they set her in the midst, uh, right here at the temple, they said to him, teacher, this woman was caught in in adultery in the very act. Uh, I I don't know how... She's by herself, apparently. Maybe one of the Pharisees was involved. I'll just leave it there. Uh, Verse 5. Too early. Uh, Now Moses and the law commanded us that such should be stoned. What do you say? They're they're doing this to trap him, to try to see if he would compromise in in integrity or maybe somehow justify what she had done or or somehow, uh, you know, not be able to show compassion. So they're trying to trap him in this. That's their entire motive. That's what religion ultimately does without God is it, 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 gives burdens that people cannot carry. It, uh, it, it is unable to lift and unable to help, but also uphold the integrity of God's word. But here's, here's what it says. So uh, Moses and the law commanded, what, what, should you say, what do you say? Verse six, this they said, testing him that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and he wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear what they said. Uh, so when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and he said to them, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. Again, he stooped down and he wrote on the ground, doesn't tell us what he wrote. Uh, But here's verse nine. Those who heard it, convicted by their conscience, just based on what he said, went out one by one, beginning, I I think this is interesting, beginning with the oldest to to the last. Start with the oldest, I think, because, you know, after a while you realize you can't outrun your stuff. When you're young, you think you can outrun your stuff. So, so the oldest to the youngest, they realize, oh yeah, that's not me. <laughs> I'm not without sin. So they start, to cat, they start to drop their stones. Jesus raised himself up 
saw no one but the woman, and he said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She says, no, my Lord, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Jesus does something powerful. He both neither justifies what she had done. Grace doesn't, you know, justify our sin, but it actually justifies sinners. It saves us. It redeems us. It restores us. He says, where are your accusers? There's no one left. And he, he then tells her, neither do I condemn you. Why? Because he knew that he was paying the price. He would pay the price for her sins. He's paid the price for all of our sins to be forgiven, to be set free. See, we have in our generation, and really, if we're honest, in every generation, there's been a truth problem. Uh, I would ask you, how many of you are aware that Tom Brady's retiring? We, we all were told Tom Brady was retiring, but I think he saw the price of gas or at least went back home and, and had the kids for a couple hours <laughs> and decided to come out of retirement, <laughs> but, but, which all my, my friends in Tampa are happy about. But, but here's, here's what I'll say. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting in our culture. We're bombarded with messages all the time. You know this. Uh, you know, even just a few days ago, I got woken up at five in the morning with this kind of horn alert on my phone. And, you know, it's, I knew it was a news alert and I, I, it woke me up, it startled me. And I thought, you know, is this something like major? Is it a war? Is it this? It was actually news about a celebrity. Five in the morning I needed apparently. But, you know, there's, there's, we're bombarded with information oftentimes because there's a war for our attention. And, it really doesn't matter for the messaging in the world whether or not it's true, as long as it gets your attention. It doesn't matter if it's true. You know, you'll see messages about, of course, Tom Brady's retirement. No, wait, no, he's not retiring. So there's just this constant, and we've actually been conditioned, because there's enough of that, we've been conditioned to no longer respond. We, we, we give it our attention, but we're no longer moved by things the way we might have been. You know, we can see devastation and hurt with wars and conflicts and suffering and all that, but it doesn't move us because we're so bombarded with information. And frankly, sometimes we hear things, we see things so much that even like that, something simple like that, we, we don't even know if it's true. And, uh, you know, there's, there's obviously a concern in the world today because tragically there's a departure from truth. But if there's a, if there's a positive in what we're seeing in our culture, it's that I actually think people are not wholesale in culture departing from truth. They're departing from half-truths. They're departing from things that were better, but because it's a half-truth, the problem is a half-truth can actually be worse than a lie. Because a half-truth without God can make me hit the snooze button, but not realize that I still need Jesus. And, and here's, here's, I think, the opportunity in our world. We have the opportunity as the church to bring the truth. Let's go John chapter 8. Verse 31, just right after this interaction with the woman who's been forgiven and redeemed by Jesus, by the Pharisees who've been convicted in their heart, by the revelation, the truth. See, two people, two groups of people encountered the truth that day. One found forgiveness and one recognized their own self-righteousness was not sufficient. What they had believed, their half-truth without Jesus was not enough. Jesus revealed something. That's what truth does. In verse 31 
He then goes on to those that gather around him and he said, uh, if you abide in my word, you're my disciples indeed. He says, you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. That's quoted all the time in our culture even. The truth will make you free, but it's not any truth. It's not the truth about your favorite team or the truth about you know, the economy or the truth about your family even. It's the truth about Jesus that sets you free. It's truth about who he is. There's two things that are important in our life, most important, I believe. The first is what we believe about God. That's the difference. That's the difference in eternity. That's the difference in our own life, experiencing freedom. And he tells us how we know the truth. He says it right here, you will abide in my word. As a follower of Jesus, that's what a disciple is. It's somebody who follows Jesus. And in following Jesus, we grow in experiencing not just information, but a person. He invites us to a relationship. A disciple in the Bible sense, in a New Testament sense, was not a, a, a person. See, there were two words for disciple in the Greek language. I didn't have this in the slide, sorry. But, but there's two words in the Greek language for disciple. One is never used in the Bible. The first, this, the first Greek word is a word that means to be a student with no relationship with their teacher. But a disciple is somebody who follows closely the life of the teacher. Not just gaining information, but actually following their life. And that's what we're called to be as disciples. To follow Jesus is actually to experience freedom. To follow Jesus is to find freedom. To grow in freedom. And so here's what he, he says, you'll know the truth, the truth will make you free. Their reaction to him is how can you say we need to be free? We're, we're, they, 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 they look to their history, they say, well, we're Abraham's descendants, they were Jew, Jews, and they, they say we're Abraham's descendants, we've never been slaves. How, how can we, how can we, how can we be, how can you say to us we need freedom? It's, it's kind of like Jesus saying this to us and is saying, don't you know I grew up in church? I'm a good Baptist. What do you, need? I, what do you mean I need freedom? I, 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 I went to catechism. I, I'm a good Lutheran. I'm a good, you know, Pentecostal, whatever. And we can, we can have all kinds of reasons. But the, the, tr the truth is I can spend my entire life even in church and not know Jesus. So here's where we're at. The... Jesus then tells them, if the Son has set you free, you will be free indeed. So he invites us, all of us, every person, into freedom. And that's found in Jesus. Truth is not just information about God only. It's, it's a person. It's the person of Jesus. Truth is found in Jesus and in his word. And I think we have an opportunity as the church to present a real and authentic Jesus to the world. I think the darker things get, the more we see people embracing lies that sometimes are detached from any sense of reality. It actually gives us the greatest opportunity because maybe when people embrace the half-truth, they thought, I've got enough. I've got enough of God. I've got enough of religion. I've got enough goodness in my life. But we come to a place where people realize I am bankrupt without God. I've said this many times, but I like to go to movies and uh, one of my favorite, it's one of my favorite things to do. And, and, but when you go to see a movie in a theater, the room gets dark before the picture's shown on the screen. It's the contrast that gives clarity. And I think we have an opportunity in this hour not to bring religion, but to actually bring Jesus. 
to bring what rescued that woman that day, to bring what confronted the Pharisees that day, to bring what's the hope of the world. That's Jesus. We put it in our lobby, but we believe it. Jesus is the hope of the world. We owe the world an encounter with the real living Jesus. So the two most important things, I, I said the first one, it's the truth about God, but the second is what comes from that is the truth about ourselves. I want us to look at Judges chapter six. Familiar story, the story of Gideon. Judges chapter six. Gideon, like many in the Bible, lived in a tough season and Gideon is somebody in Judges 6 that is living in the generation that has initially departed from God and so the Midianites came and oppressed Israel. Their enemies overtook them and every season they would try to collect their harvest and the enemy would come and steal it. And so they're just trying to survive. They're trying to eke out an existence, just make it another day. And so they hide what little they have left. And unfortunately, many people, even Christians, are just living the same way. We're just trying to make it another day. Just trying to keep our head above water. Just, just trying to stay sane. Nobody in here. The other service. Just trying not to strangle our kids. Nobody. Just trying to stay married. Just trying, you know, we're just trying to survive, not realizing that we are, are, have available to us everything that Jesus paid for. And you're not a survivor, you're more than a conqueror. But here's where Gideon is. One day, God comes to Gideon and he's hiding, and here's what it says in verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, who was threshing wheat in the wine press in order to hide it from the enemy, the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. He covers both of those. The Lord is with you, the truth about God. You mighty man of valor, the truth about himself. Do you know truth is not just in contrast to a lie, although it is. And we're as free as the truth we receive. And we're as bound as the lie we tolerate. And so here's, here's where we're at. He's hiding when he should be facing. <laughs> when he should be walking in purpose, he's just trying to survive. And while he's there, the angel of the Lord shows up. I mean, this is a supernatural encounter with God. And, and <laughs> while he's having this encounter with God, here's his response. Like if an angel showed up, I'd have a little different reaction, Maybe. But he's so discouraged. Sometimes we, we've allowed lies to be built up so much. We get so used to abnormal that we think it's normal. We get so used to living in shame or fear, addiction and sin, and we, we get so used to certain lies that we build it up like a, a castle we're willing to defend, even though it's the very thing trapping us. And, and here's where here's the Lord says to him, the Lord's with you. You mighty man of valor, Gideon, who's actually hiding because Gideon doesn't look the part of what God just said. Do you know sometimes what's true, see, truth is not just, as I said, in contrast to a lie, what's true is what's real. Sometimes it's what's more real than what we see. 
I know it's hard for us to grasp that sometimes with our analytical minds, but here's the reality that we know now in part, one day when we get to heaven, we'll know fully. But while we know in part, sometimes we evaluate things based on temporary information instead of eternal truth. So let's make this practical. I deal with a problem, and I think my problem's bigger than God. Faith is not pretending like the problem's not there. It's not burying my head in the sand, pretending like it'll just go away. Faith is believing and trusting in a truth that's greater. This is the diagnosis. This is what he said. With his stripes, I'm healed. It's not pretending like the problem's not there. It's knowing there's something greater and more true. It's real. When, when they said, you'll always be addicted, but there's something more true. Who the sun sets free is free. <laughs> okay, back to Gideon, sorry. Here's, here's what happens when you get so discouraged, you can't see a way out. Gideon says to him, capital H, to the angel of the Lord. It's not just an angel, by the way. Theologically, it's the Lord's presence manifested. So he's talking about it. So, so here's what it says. Gideon said, oh, my Lord, if the Lord's with us. How do you have that conversation? If the Lord's really with us, why has all this happened to us? If God was really with me, why did I walk through that? Why did this happen? Why did they leave? Why did, we go through all of that. Where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about? Saying, didn't the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours. I don't know if he's seeing what I'm seeing. (laughs) He says, go in this might of yours. You shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? He says, how can I save Israel? He's got an answer every time. Be careful what lies you're willing to defend. He says, oh my Lord, how can I save? Indeed, my clan's the weakest. Now it's about him. It's about the lie he believes about himself. First he's dealing with his lie he believes about God. God's not really with us. Now it's about him. I'm the weakest. My tribe, my clan, we're the weakest. We're the smallest. We're the most insignificant. How can I do this? The Lord says, surely I will be with you, verse 16, and you will defeat the Midianites as one man. Two lies I identified from the story. The first is, the first thing he says is essentially that God's distant. Why has all this happened to us? Why has all this happened? The second lie is that he states is where's all the miracles? God's powerless. Some of us are willing to accept that God's there, but we just think he's distant, he's indifferent, he doesn't care. That's not the truth of his word. That's not what we saw on a cross. That's not what we see with him conquering the tomb, death, hell, and the grave for you and for me. He, Jesus didn't die on the cross for distance. He's not indifferent. But sometimes we think he's powerless. I know we believe, you know, he's omnipotent, but will he do what he said he'll do? Will things ever change? Can they be different? I'm telling you, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Everything he did, he can do. So the answer of the angel Lord to him 
is what I think some of us need to hear today. The truth is that God's with me. He's with you. That's the truth that woman needed to hear. When all of the religious elite had rejected her and criticized her, and yet Jesus forgave, redeemed and restored. He was close. When others left, Jesus didn't. Come on, you got to remember that, church. doesn't matter who's left you. He's with you. The second truth is, he says, you mighty man of valor. He says, I'm with you, you mighty man of valor. I, I don't know, if you were to see Gideon in his situation, you wouldn't evaluate him that way. But there's some things that are true, there's some things that are more true. The reality wasn't what, just what he was doing, it was what God had promised and spoken over his life. What defined Gideon wasn't his feelings. Oh, I wish we would get this in the world. We think our feelings is who we are. We, we base our faith on our feelings. We, we base our identity on our feelings. But here's what we need to recognize. What did God say? Because you are who God says you are. You're made in the image of God. You're redeemed by him, by Jesus. That's where your identity comes from. I want to give you a, a few more. Uh, if I, maybe you've said these, thought these. But I think just the best way to deal with this, when there's a lie you're facing, is to confront it with the truth. And I, I, I'm just going to tell you, the reason why he says abide in the word is because you don't just need this today, you'll need it every day. Sometimes I've got to remind myself until I believe it, deep down on the inside, until I've got a hold of it. We've got to get this where it matters most. Maybe you've said, I'm confused. 1 Corinthians 2.16 says, you have the mind of Christ. Can I just tell you, Jesus is not confused. <laughs> he's never confused. He's not the author of confusion. And he's given you the mind of Christ so you don't have to be confused either. Maybe you're afraid. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. Maybe you said there's no hope for my situation, for my life, for my marriage, for my family. Jeremiah 29.11 for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. This is a big one for anybody who's facing something that's a diagnosis that's terminal. Let me say it that way. You know what you need to say? More than just your present circumstances, what God's word says. You need to write down this verse. Some, I don't think we have it on screen. Psalm 118, 17. I shall live and not die and declare the works of God. I shall live and not die and declare the works of God. Something bad's gonna happen. This is what the truth says. Psalm 91, 10. No evil shall befall you nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. God can't hear me. That's a lie. Psalm 34, 17, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Nothing will ever change. That's a lie. Isaiah 43, 18, do not remember the former things nor consider the things of old. God says, I'm gonna do a new thing. 
I'm shocked at how many people live their lives tolerating things that Jesus came to set them free from. I think sometimes we're afraid to be real with these issues because we go, well, I'm, I'm good. I don't want anybody to know I've got a problem. <laughs> Freedom's so much better. Freedom's so much better than anything that the lie offers. 2 Corinthians 10 tells us how we deal with it. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal or earthly, natural weapons, but they are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. What are strongholds? They're, they're fortresses, castles of believing lies that have kept us trapped, kept us bound. I'm good, but, but behind the scenes I'm dealing with anxiety. I'm good, but behind the scenes I'm bound by fear. I'm good, but I'm struggling. Jesus invited you to freedom. He invited you to hope. Things can change. And sometimes we've got to take God's word as we abide in his word. I gave you just a few. I read off a few today, but there's so many more. For any lie that's kept you trapped, I am as free as the truth I've believed and I'm as bound as the lie I've tolerated. He says, I've been given weapons to tear down strongholds. Here's what they are. Casting down arguments, verse five, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity. What I believe about God matters. What I believe about myself matters. Because it's affected by what I believe about God. Today, it's time for freedom. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. altar team would come. The way we get free is first by taking every thought to Jesus. Whatever we're facing, whatever we're feeling, whatever we're dealing with, Whatever others have done, whatever we're carrying, we take it to Jesus. It's a great story in the Bible of a king who was surrounded by an enemy army and they came to destroy the city of, of Jerusalem. And the, the enemy yelled out in Hebrew, the language of the Israelites, that their God would not save them. And they sent a letter to them. And the king took this letter that said, God will not save you. We'll destroy you, demanding that they surrender to the enemy. And here's what he did. His name was Hezekiah. He brought it and laid it out before the Lord. Whatever you're facing right now, I want you to bring it to Jesus. Bring it to him. Lay it before God. That's where we find the truth. Sometimes what we need is the truth to reveal our own need.
It's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Because it points us to the answer, which is Jesus. Those Pharisees didn't realize they needed Jesus as much as the woman they had brought. But they left. She stayed. Go to Jesus. No matter what truth reveals to your heart, His Word, it's always for our freedom. The problem is there's some lies we want to be rid of and there's some lies we like. Those are the hard ones to deal with. But let His Word bring truth and when it does, surrender to Jesus. I've never said yes to God and regretted it. I've never surrendered to Jesus something and regretted it. I've always been more free. And maybe today that's what you need. Maybe today you just need to dismantle some lies. Tear down some strongholds. Today's your day of freedom. We trust this message encourages you in faith and in your relationship with Jesus. To learn more about River City Church, find us on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co.